Welcome to Mentalk Health, the show that lets us have real conversations about mental health. I'm Davey, and in each episode, I'm joined by my co-host extraordinaire, Keith, as we sit down with our amazing guests who all have a story to tell us as we ask them the question, how is your mental health? Expect honesty and humour as you break down the stigma around men talking about how they really feel for the benefit of all. As always, with real conversations comes some challenging subject matter. If you feel like this episode isn't for you right now, that's absolutely fine. You can always skip the episode and perhaps come back to it when it feels a more appropriate time for you to do so. Looking after ourselves is the most important thing we can do. Check out the synopsis for any trigger warnings. And as always, if anything does resonate, don't forget to reach out to appropriate support. You can find a list of resources on our website at www.mentalkhealth.uk. But now let's crack on with the show. Well, welcome back everyone to our, our brand new shiny with our own equipment with new faces, new voices. Welcome back to the Mentor Health podcast. Uh, it is so great to be back doing this. Uh, it's been it's been a it's been a long time for many reasons for everyone. Mentor Health has been doing some great stuff behind the scenes. We we're funded, we're doing things, we're giving out training, we're helping communities, and now we're going to start telling other people's stories around mental health more. Damien and I, who you may remember from uh, the original episodes, came to a came to an end of our journeys to a certain extent, although obviously recovery is always an ongoing thing. Um, and now with, with Mentor Health growing, it's time to really kind of hear some of your stories so you can help others uh, appreciate lived experience around mental health try and find some humor, try and find some honesty in these conversations and inspire other people to talk about their mental health. Now I have, I'm really happy to say the wonderful Keith Weinstein joining me here today uh, as, as, as our new co-host. This is absolutely brilliant. Uh, Keith, hello. Hello, Davey. Uh, <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I really wish we could have done our, our first brand new podcast face to face in person but uh apparently there's something happening which means we can't so oh it's a sign of the times david because we're in the same zoom though how wonderful is that oh do you I know what see your glorious face in technicolor oh. you look fantastic how are you doing i'm good i am i am really good um which is an odd thing again to say during these times but i've definitely had a good couple of months lots of changes in my life so it's been really good but first like keith Thank you so much for joining us. I know Damien's so happy to have you on the show while he's off doing all his other adventures. Um, and it's just great because you, you know, we first worked together when you were setting up uh, your own podcast. So why don't you tell us about that? Well, I mean, talk about karma, David. I mean, you know, you and uh, Damien were absolute legends in helping me set up the Time to Change Champions podcast. Sadly, of course, Time to Change ended in March of this year. but look look what's happening you know the legacy continues you know we're talking about mental health and you know i've recently become uh this year a trustee of mental health yay which is just amazing you know to be involved in the organization in the charity you know helping to set up some systems looking at the website looking at the podcast and really sort of trying to inject some well my energy certainly into mental health which 
um, you know, I suppose is a bit of payback from me because you you guys were so helpful when I was setting up the Time to Change podcast. Uh, let me ask you the question. Keith, Keith Weinstein, how is your mental health? Well, my mental health today, Davey, is, yeah, I suppose on a scale of zero to 10, I'm probably around about the eight mark right at this moment. So I think that's that's pretty good. That is it's not good. not always been like that. I found the lockdown... Oh my God, it was so hard. Uh, not so much this time last year, like last summer when the weather was really great. You know, we had a great May last year and so the weather was really good. But I found sort of the January, January, February, March of 2021, the lowest I've been for a long time. And you know, realizing that I've got to switch the lights on at two o'clock in the afternoon when I'm working from home because, you know, I lost my job last year. So, uh, you know, that was a, a real challenge. And, you know, I had to really, you know, pull on my resilience and look after myself. The, the thing that really got me through it, and, you know, I know this, it's not all about, you know, oh, how fantastic mental health is, but it is really because, you know, I got involved with mental health, which kept me very, very busy. I had some excellent training from the one and only Davy Shields. Not Who's he? In. Who is he? Yeah, what does he do? Who is he? Yeah. Would you believe mental health? I've got this fantastic trainer in mental health issues called Davy Shields. It's wonderful. <laughs> Check out the website for more details. He sounds um, fit. I did an IACT. I did an IACT course with you, Davy, and also the fantastic um, mental health first aid, which surprisingly enough, I, you know, we did lots of training at mind, but we didn't do mental health first aid. So it was great, great to get that certificate as well. And to know that I've got that for three years, you know, it's really helpful, you know, in my new job, because I think I probably are the only mental health first aid. I mean, I need to check that. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, you know, this is something very new. And it's something, you know, something that's really valuable for me to take into my into this new role that I'm doing. So I think, you know, keeping busy certainly helped me get through really, I suppose, the worst, worst 18 months, I think, of, of most people's lives, really. But yeah, that whole, I think more than ever, you know, people talk about seasonal affective disorder and, uh, and you know, it's not always a, a diagnosed thing as, uh, as such, but people can definitely recognize that in themselves. But it felt like it was just that little bit harder this year to be in that kind of dark, cold, when there was, when you didn't have those other things to kind of keep you going. Um, and to hear you're at an eight is great. I mean, like, nobody's at a 10 all the time. So to be at an eight is pretty good. So uh, yeah. Oh, thanks you. Thank you for sharing, Keith. No, it's a pleasure. I think you know it helps me. You know when I can actually be honest and open about how I'm feeling about things. I think it's, uh, and you know, it's the kind of thing that should catch on. I'd certainly encourage it for people. You know, to check in with friends and family about you know on a scale of, you know, one to ten, for example. You know, where are you on that scale? And uh, you know, and if somebody's on a five or six, you know, go for a walk, have a coffee with a friend. You know, do something that's a bit more fun than just sort of worrying. Because for me, I mean, my big thing as I'm a, well, a couple of things, I'm a procrastinator and I'm a great warrior. Um, and worry was once described to me as being in a rocking chair, rocking forwards and back, forwards and back, hoping to get somewhere, but realizing that you're not going anywhere. All you're doing is worrying. When I remind myself of that, I can then start to put, put my life into perspective. Of course, there are things that I was really terrified about. It's horrible being unemployed, horrible not having any income. It was the winter months. The weather was foul. Uh, I was in isolation for, you know, I was not living, you know, I live on my own. I was on my own for three months and not not really venturing out apart from going through shopping. 
So no wonder my mental health is impacting. Your right? wee winter of discontent, that sounds oh, like. Oh, my God, it was awful. Yeah. But, you know, look at us, Davey. We've got through it, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's down to sort of connecting, reaching out to people. Even if, if you can't physically meet with people, Zoom has been a boon, I think, over the last sort of 18 months. How's your mental health? It is doing doing pretty okay this week. Um actually and like Keith you know a little bit about this it, it sounds really strange so I had a I've had a bit of a, a ropey few days not in like a serious way but just kind of very much more about low mood I had a, a pal visit me for uh, a couple of weeks kind of move in effectively um uh just temporarily and it's been really nice having someone and they've they've just left and I feel like because I've loved being on my own for the most part but like as they were leaving, I got really nervous that I wouldn't see them again. Because it was like, what if another lockdown happened? So that was kind of bringing down my mood. And also in the most boring, everyday, mundane way, we've got building work down the row and they've got this massive machine like uh, hammering in massive, uh, massive uh, concrete struts to support a building in the future. This has been going on for the last 10 working days. And like, remember when I spoke to you and I was just like, I can't. I could I can. hear it, Davey. I could hear the thud. I mean, you know, 300 miles away, I could hear it. Boom, 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 boom. Awful. And it was just, it's, it sounded really stupid, but it just, it really got me down by like the, uh, I mean, hey, I, I think I was fine for the first week, but then those last couple of days, I was just like, oh, this sucks. But then I remembered that it was so nice to be, <laughs> it was so nice to be annoyed at something quite normal. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good, good, good to think of it that way. Um, but I'm quite happy because it's, it's it's really great for me to recognise that as low mood, not I'm going into something else. This is my everyday mental health that is suffering from little small things, and just missing my pal is actually a really nice thing as well. In a really well, that, weird see, way. The thing is, you see, being able to identify that that is normal. You know, it's normal to you know because if if you were glad to see the back of them, that would be a, a different response wouldn't it and actually it's it's a really lovely thing you know in a way to think that you like somebody so much that you miss them when they're not around um well look as, as i was saying at the beginning like there's been a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes uh with mentor health and that's been absolutely brilliant to see it's you know covid has obviously been a massive massive thing for everyone and it's uh by no means is it um, something to look on necessarily as fondly, but it is important to look at some of the positives that have come out from it. And I think um, one of the things I can really take away is it gave me the chance to do some more training. So we're now offering training, etc. Gave us a chance to kind of get you on board. It's given us a chance to get our new website going and really kind of get a bit more organized. Also, it's given us a chance to meet some great people and, and have some chats with them. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do it face-to-face -face or or one day we'll work out how to get three people on one zoom and record that uh with the right equipment but hey i'm really happy with how we've done it today well done us um yeah, um but like i think i mean i know today you're gonna introduce us to to brad uh but why don't you tell us a little bit about brad yeah so mental health have had this amazing sort of developed an amazing relationship with prince's trust um, and um, we've sort of met some people from the sort of east of England, which uh, is really fantastic, actually, for, for, for mental health point of view, because, you know, we're starting to make some relationships with some really good organisations that are doing fantastic stuff 
um, around the country. And who better than, you know, having doing something with the Princess Trust, for example. So we met this, I met this amazing, well, actually, we both met over Zoom, didn't we? We both of us sort of met a couple of fantastic ambassadors um, from Princess Trust who are doing some amazing work as ambassadors. And um, I had a conversation, a really interesting conversation with Brand, who's one of the... Um, who's one of the, the, the first people that we're going to listen to um, in our new series of um, Mental Cow podcast. And um, yeah, I mean, why don't we have a listen to, to the interview now, Davey? And uh, let's, let's see what people think about this first new series of uh, Mental <laughs> Cow podcast. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited uh, to, hear, to hear his story. He's a, a, a Norwich boy. And whilst I'm not born in Norwich, my family's there and I've definitely spent a few years living there. So uh, really glad to hear a, a Norwich voice coming through. Um, well, look, let's have a listen. Well, hello, Brad Rumble. Hello, Keith. How's it going? All right, mate. Thank you for joining us on Mental Health. How are you? How's your mental health? How are you doing today? Uh, today, it's been okay. It's not always like that, but it's all right today. Are you sure? I'm going to ask you twice because at time to change, we, were, <laughs> we used to always ask twice because usually the first the first response was, mm, is he all right? But I'm going to ask you, are you, are you okay today? Uh Relatively, compared to some of the mistakes I've been in, yeah. So between the ages of, say, 14 to 21, 22, that is when I was in my darkest days, um, like I was self-harming, uh, suicidal, drug use, drug abuse, that sort of thing. And it came to a head when I was about 22. When I tried to slip this mortal coil, if you will, um, on five different occasions, um, luckily I was terrible at it and I failed and I'm here to tell the story behind it now, I suppose. Well, I, I'm glad you are here today. Uh, but how, how does it feel like talking about those? Because like you said, you were 22. That's quite a young quite a young age to be sort of considering sort of self-harm and I suppose taking your own life as well on, yeah. on those occasions. I got to a point where I had some friends who were sort of suicidal as well and I was trying to guide them through and I realised I how can I guide others through that if I, if I was feeling the same thing myself. Like I was talking to one of my friends recently about this, like the darkest moment I had was I'd just finished work. I was doing graphic design, so it was a job I enjoyed, but I was massively being exploited as a graphic designer um being massively underappreciated which made my self-esteem just drop to the bottom uh and literally every single opportunity my brain could find for trying to essentially kill myself um it was trying to throw in front of me and i pulled up onto my like, i managed to avoid all of those um moments i get to my drive and as i'm sat there in my car i'm sort of just in this fugue state, staring off into the distance. And a shadow moved past the car, and then another shadow moved past the car, and then another one, and another one, and another. Um, and after probably about 15 to 20 minutes of sat there, just staring into space, there was like what seemed like a tornado of these dark figures just swarming around my car. Uh, and it was that point I sort of realised, oh, I need to do something about this. Um, 
and that took me down a darker path for a little while um, until I actually did try. And then I was put on um, a ward in Basildon for about two days, not, not two days, sorry, two weeks, um, where I met certain people that altered my perception of society, altered my perception of reality enough to begin the upward tick. So yeah, it's been quite quite a journey for a 22 year old, you know. But I'm now 32, so this is like 10 years ago. Right. Okay. Now, obviously, you've come through that, and that's that's an amazing story. And also, you know, throughout some of that story, you were very serious, but also I could sort of see, you know, I always see a smile coming into your face, uh, Brad. I mean, suicide is hard to talk about, um, yeah. yet there is something refreshing almost you know you seem to have like this humorous tone when you're sort of talking about your your mental health issues i mean do you think the humor helps um help you? well one thing i've learned is it, can, it seems really a heavy thought as well that any challenges in life that you might like i was facing like all of that suffering has led me to where i am now so as dark as those moments got I'm thankful for them, but I'm also thankful for the fact I didn't kill myself because otherwise I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing now. So when I look back, I'm not looking at it back at it as this like painful thing. I'm looking at it back at it as a, as a, as a necessary thing to lead me down the path of introspection through philosophy and studying and everything. And yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it hadn't been for all of that. Like, cause it, part of it was being told about like, Oh, you need, this is the real world. You need to get a real job and all this, but I'm, I've always been an artist and yeah, it's really listening to people like Alan Watts, Eckhart Tolle, people like that, that I sort of started to understand the nature of the mind a lot more. Um, and the quote, man is more tormented by his opinion of things than the things themselves. And from that day on, I realized that, oh, like the beliefs I had about things like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, not, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear or not. Um, but yeah, basically the feelings of worthlessness, the feelings of not being good enough were all like creations of my own mind, but they'd also been given to me by people around me growing up as well. And all I really had to do was folk, like try to understand how those belief systems were operating within myself and begin to break them down, break them apart. Wow. So it sounds like your, your lived experience of those sort of past sort of 10, 20 years, maybe even more, actually giving you quite a lot of retrospection, you know, looking back, looking at yourself. I, I know I, um, I, I part of a 12-step program where, you know, I've certainly had to over the last sort of 20 years look at myself and look at, you know, what is my part in this relationship? What is my part in life? And having to really sort of address that on a daily basis, which I've, you know, on the one hand, it's awful to, to think that you've had to go to that level where, you know, you've really, you know, entered a room on your knees sort of thing. But the, the, the life changes that I've experienced have been incredible and I wouldn't change it, actually. I mean... I think it's great what you do and what you're, you know, how you can talk about these these issues, and you're very articulate about it. And I mean, I suppose the thing is, you, you may not be where you are today if you hadn't have gone through those really harsh, difficult situations. 
Yeah, definitely not. I don't think I would be because, like, I was but in like I'm proud to be a weirdo. Um, but growing up, it was always used as like an insult, as a as a means to diminish who I was as a person. And it's only been probably the past five six years or so where I was like really embracing the fact that I am this weirdo, um, and not worrying about what other people think of me as being a weirdo because like we talk about normal people. I do the the commas thing, um, but I don't. I I think everyone's a weirdo. Like I've spoken to so many people um, who they'll be around me and they'll just be like, after us, after I met you, after I started hanging around with you, I just started being more weird. And I was like, but I don't think, like I don't think that's me. I think I just invite people to embrace their weirder side a lot more and do away with any shame they may have around being different. Like because there's no such like people say, oh, there's no such thing as normal. But to understand that on a truly like philosophical level is to to do away with what you feel ashamed about like i find a lot of people who want to fit in they fit they want to fit in because they feel as though that will bring them happiness and some of the most unhappy people i've ever met have been people who just wanting to fit in all the time but it's true though that's that's my impressions and and the other thing as well that i'm i'm interested in is and you've talked about sort of shame i mean what is the role of shame in mental health? What, what does shame? I mean, do you do you do you feel yeah, shame yeah. around mental health issues? No, I don't, I don't feel shame around it. But I knew back in the day, I used to feel a lot of shame around um, my emotional state because I've got borderline personality disorder. Um, it's you basically don't have an emotional filter. So if you're, like I cry more because I'm happy than because I'm sad. Um, and I think a lot of shame comes from being emotional as a man. Um, I still remember the moment like when this sort of this split between the pain I felt from crying and this shame, but basically probably about three, four years ago, I was talking to someone who'd messaged me on the brink of suicide themselves, someone in Canada. and I spent nine hours or so talking to them, just trying to just get them through that moment. And I didn't know this person. Like, they just messaged me because of what I stood for. And after they said they were feeling better, I know it wasn't, sorry, I'd spoken to them for nine hours, and then three months later they messaged me saying, um, I get emotional thinking about this because it's very touching to me. Um, they messaged me basically telling me that they'd started to get therapy, they'd managed to land their dream job, and it was pride. Like I was feeling pride, but at the same time I was feeling pride, I'm crying, right? As as one might, right? So as I'm crying, there's that lump in the throat, and I realised I was like, why am I feeling this pain? from pride like that shouldn't be the case what's going on here and then my brain was just like that's shame mate like society has made you feel ashamed of crying and like that it just went so now i'll cry all the time i've cried (laughs) for so many damn things it's crazy but um i'm not worried about it anymore because i've realized that if men 
or anyone tries to shame anyone for crying, for showing the emotion that they're actually feeling, what they're actually trying to do is they're only trying to remove their own discomfort at somebody else who shows their emotion. And not being able to show your emotion comfortably, it's, it's something wrong with the world that that's the case, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that story, I mean, there is so much in that story you just told me. You know, the fact that you spent nine hours on the phone to somebody who you don't know who's on the other side of the world. I mean, for a start, what an amazing role model that is of supporting somebody going through a really painful period. The fact that you were prepared to do that, I think, is admirable. I mean, more than admirable. I can't even express how I feel, how I'm responding, because I feel quite emotional listening to you, hearing that story. You know, I'm sort of starting to feel my eyes start to prickle and thinking, oh, my God, what, what an amazing thing for another another man to do, let alone another human to do for somebody else. And the fact that you were emotional when, you know, a few months down the line, this this, this individual is, is on the road to recovery, they're getting on with their lives, and that, that, you know, that, you know, you played no small part in that recovery because who knows what may have happened if that phone call to you hadn't have happened and you know men do I mean especially in this country I mean I was lucky because my parents I used to watch Lassie films as a kid you know the dog would die or whatever and I'd be crying but my parents never chastised me or told me off for doing that my mom used to have a phrase about having honest tears so I was fortunate that my parents were really supportive in that is is amazing Brad I mean that is absolutely Wonderful. Well, well done you for helping that, that, that person. Wow, Keith, we're not even all the way through. And Brad's, Brad's amazing. What a guy. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the guy is totally, oh, he's so interesting. He's a creative character. Definitely. I mean, like, he is exactly what, you know, mental health is about and why it's so great to be kind of doing these other voices because he's out there sharing his story already that I mean it's clear this isn't the first time of him sharing it um and and like you know when he speaks about helping that chap in Canada I mean that's amazing just taking that time to kind of support someone and then what he starts talking about with with shame about that pride he felt about helping someone and and how often, how he often cries more than for happy things than for sad things. Um, God, like I think that's such an important thing when it comes to shame, because actually, you know, this is something we come across a, a lot. Uh, and you know, when people, when we talk about mental health, trying to take a more uh, f- feminist approach, if that's the word you want to use, or just a more open approach to uh, to how we talk about mental health, and it's the idea that you know. As as men, we're we're not allowed to show that empathy, good or bad. And he's he's spot on about shame, spot on. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I like to think of it, as, you know, as men. You know, we, you know, being a bit more gentle, being a bit more kind, you know, helps everybody. And also, you know, that shame, that shame of crying about something that's happy as well. For me, I mean. You know, I completely understand where he's coming from with that, because obviously, you know, you, you know, I've cried when when I've lost my parents, and it was incredibly painful. Or where a, a very close friend has died, it's been awful. You know, and you cry about things like that. But I also can recognise him crying about something that's happy. You know, Brad's an incredible guy, and yeah. uh, 
you know, his use of language about the weirdo. I mean, some people might get a bit upset about saying, you know, you know, I'm a weirdo, you look everything, and proud to be a weirdo, and everyone's a weirdo. But actually, you know, I do get where he's coming from. You know, I'm not offended by by what I he says. I bloody love it. And I, I think, you know, bring it on. I, I, I love the fact that because if he's a weirdo, I'm a weirdo. And I really feel as if I'm, when I was talking to him, that we're somehow part of a tribe because I recognize him as being somebody creative, somebody who's helpful, somebody who's kind, gentle and supportive. And, you yeah. know, he's a fantastic role model. I mean, we here at Mental Health are really lucky to have him as our guest. But by golly, I mean... Uh, the Prince's Trust having Brad as an ambassador. Wow, that's that's and what a wonderful, what a wonderful champion yeah. he is for, for, for the Prince's Trust. And I'm so pleased that he's one of our first guests here on uh, Mental Health. Uh, do you know what? I was just thinking then when you were talking about, you know, crying at the John Lewis ads and and all that. Like, I'm, I've always been a crier. Um, and like you know as a kid i was always crying it's always you know don't cry you're a boy etc but i keep i keep thinking while listening to this of one one moment um that really kind of sticks in my memory and it's one of these like amazing things that i did that i felt super proud about that then actually thinking about it all i can focus on is how the memory ends as this negative thing that i really like you know turns my stomach upside down when i think back on it and um so when I was 18, we had, uh, I was doing A-level drama, um, but we had this weekend uh, workshop with uh, the in-house company at Colchester, uh, the Colchester Theatre, I think it's called the Mercury Theatre. Um, and I had to do like Ibsen, uh, it was just like me working on the stuff and it was really hard and like learning lines was always impossible for me. So it's always really, really stressful. But I really wanted to do this performance well and it was like the most intense thing I'd ever had to perform and I remember like they did loads of work with me like trying to make me found something that really made me scared and relate to the character or whatever and it was like one of those big kind of proper breakthrough moments of oh now I can access crying now I can really put everything into this performance and I did the performance and it was astounding I've never performed again because it was the best thing I've ever done and I don't want to go back um but I remember we had to do like a, a circle at the end, uh, everyone who'd been there on the weekend and kind of, you know, thank everyone and, and, and just say what we got from it. And it came to me and I couldn't speak. I was just, and I went into like proper, proper sobs, um, like really primal sobs. And just remembering like people giggling and everyone just thinking I was being over the top. And, um, and it was such a shame because all I think about from that time is, Oh, and then I ruined it by crying. But actually, like, I'd just been through this big emotional ringer. I'd just done the most exciting thing I'd ever done. And I was so proud. And now I was having to say goodbye to these people. And, you know, I've just harnessed all this stuff and I just couldn't stop crying. And it's like, even now, like, my skin is crawling because I just think about how embarrassed I am about that moment. But yeah, it's completely overshadowed that feeling that I'm almost kind of just recognizing now of just that is probably one of the things I'm proudest of ever in my life. Isn't that weird? Sorry, this is like having one of those moments no, of just it's like... It's not weird, it's normal. I mean, it's like... I'm a weirdo. This is, life. this is life. I mean, you know, and I didn't know you did A-level drama. That's amazing. And it is, it is the Mercury at Colchester. I love um, them. They were great. Yeah, so that's uh, that's amazing that you did that, Dave. And thank you for sharing that with me, because that's something I didn't know about you. So, uh, yeah. gosh, isn't this podcast great? We get to know <laughs> so much about each other and so much about everybody else who comes onto the show. I think it's absolutely fabulous.
Well, we should um we should get back uh, we should get back to Brad. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's absolutely. Stop gabbing, let's get back to Brad because uh, he's actually the star of our show today. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> One thing I would like you to do, um, and again, I, like I'm not a mental ex, mental health expert myself, but for people who are listening, you talked about BPD. What is that? Yeah, uh, borderline personality disorder or emotionally unstable personality disorder. I always go with BPD because uh, emotionally unstable personality disorder sure scares a lot of people away. They're just like, no, don't want to know this guy. Whereas borderline personality disorder has more of um, a softer a softer vibe to it. Uh, it's basically um, a lack of emotional regulation. So like when I'm happy, I'm really happy. When I'm sad, I'm like down in the pits of despair. I used to basically flip out and destroy things. Um, yeah. And, but one of the, it's like this as above, so below. So for as much as I can feel lonely at times when I'm, with my friends, I can feel incredible amounts of love for them. So it's like this yin yang, this balance between the two, between the dark and the light. Do you think there's stigma associated with uh, BPD? Uh, yeah, yeah, because because of that, that it, like that. It will, I'll, I'll use the word like I'll say crazy because I always feel like it's a bit crazy for me as well. But yeah, I think there's a stigma around quite a few mental health conditions because with BPD, like it's not constant, but it's constant for the sufferer, but to other people who are observing it, it's not obvious to them. Like you can't see if somebody has BPD um, by the way they behave until those moments where they have like a manic episode or the, they're having like a really depressive day. So it's it's quite hard to, to other people. We're just weird. <laughs> Um, how was your COVID lockdown? Ha! Huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus! What a question. Um, so I spent three months last year completely on my own. Yeah. I, I basically turned mostly to my online community to support them through that without really asking for help for myself. What? Why did you not ask for help for yourself? Um, so part of my journey, like I've started asking for help probably in the past three months or so, but before that I didn't really ask for help because I didn't know how. And part of my journey was like trying to figure out how to move past or overcome a lot of the negative impacts of my BPD on my own because I didn't, when, when it first started, like I had lost all my friends. Um, my family didn't really want to know me and basically just was on my own so i was like i needed to figure out how to overcome these things on my own first in order to help people in case they were also on their own like if they didn't have anyone to turn to or they just didn't have nice people around them how would i help them through and ironically i suppose i, I wanted to be the person that could help people that was in my situation. So even then it wasn't really being on their own. <laughs> weird. Just realizing that now. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, no, I, don't, I don't think it's weird. I mean, one of the things that's got me through this past year is that um, I, I can attend weekly meetings online. I mean, zoom has been, a, I know people complain about, you know, being over zoomed, 
But for me, it's been the only way of being able to meet people who I'd normally meet meet with on a weekly regular basis so for me it's been a lifeline so yeah. you talked about your online community i mean what what does that mean and and how did they actually help you um so i run something called the grum reaper club um the grum ah. reaper is like my artist pseudonym and that's a facebook group which is it's essentially like a peer-to-peer mental health support group um i started it three years or so ago um off the back of the Grum Reaper because I was getting those messages like about people who were on the brink. Um, I was getting them. It started to get to the point where it's like every single day. And I was like, I can't emotion. Like I can't help every single one of these people. So what do I do? Um, So I invited a few of my friends who I know who had been through depression and managed to come out the other side, whether through therapy or, sort of self-teaching or philosophy, that sort of thing. I invited them into the group to basically support anyone who needed it. And over the past three years or so, it's grown into a community of about three and a half thousand people that all have each other's backs. It's just a really big community, just full of love. Like we've got people from all across the world, from like Australia, through Europe to UK, to um, America and Canada. And it's basically that the grum ethos of just helping each other through. It's like a peer-to-peer mental health support group. I mean, it, it sounds absolutely fantastic. I mean, one of the things that the other thing I wanted to ask you actually was just because obviously you are a creative creature. I can see that. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning about you very much. Great, good creative man. Um, did you find um, the COVID lockdown? Did that? boost your creativity, or did you find that it somehow dampened it? And- you know almost stopped you from being creative so the first one last year definitely i think hit me hard in the creative nads um because i didn't really have people to bounce off and get ideas a lot of my ideas are formed in conversation Mm. so like i'll be talking to someone and i'll just trail off for a second with an idea that pops into my head i'll get my phone out quickly make a note and then rejoin the conversation without those people to bounce off it is quite I didn't have the energy to do it. Like I had all this time to do stuff and I just didn't because I didn't have the, it was, it was like flipping my entire world upside down. So I didn't know what to quite do. Um, Whereas this last lockdown, um, it's almost as though the bad feels have sort of pushed me further and harder. And how do you feel about reaching out for that help? I mean, how easy or difficult is it? Um, so before, like when I was younger, when I was like 21, 22, I'd reach out for help and I'd get rejected by everyone around me. Like I was just a phase. Um, you're looking for attention. Um, whereas these friends, like my tribe, they're my tribe. They know that I have conditions and they're the first people that have really shown me a lot of compassion and understanding. Um, like I'd give compassion and understanding to other people because they were happy to be open about the fact that they were suffering in that moment. Never thinking that I just need to be open about my own suffering in the moment to reveal to my friends that I need a bit of help. One of the things I'm really interested in is how all of this experience 
has then brought you to the point where we're having this conversation here on mental health, but really it's about how we connected through Prince's Trust, for example. Because I know you're a Prince's Trust ambassador. Yeah. And I'm sort of interested, you know, what are you doing at Prince's Trust? And also, you know, what kind of support do you get from Prince's Trust around sort of mental health issues? I mean, do you use your lived experience, for example, in your work with Prince's Trust in, in encouraging other people to talk about mental health? Uh, yeah. Um, with regards to mental health, I find a lot of younger people um, are suffering because like they're in jobs that they don't like or they see themselves as having no career prospects. So most of most of my ambassador work hasn't really been with the like the commission stuff because there's been a lot on my plate. Um, it's mostly just been talking to people, say, in the Grum Club and saying to them, oh, um, you could do the enterprise program or you can find the volunteering programs. I started through the the enterprise program and I, I started wanting to um, start up a local park, uh, sorry, take over a park and turn it into an allotment. Uh, until I started talking to the council themselves. And I knew, uh, it's like, oh, you need to write a business plan. I have no idea how to write a business plan. So I joined the Prince's Trust. They said, to play to your strengths. And my strengths were sort of understanding myself, understanding the human psyche, or at least my own human psyche, and my creativity. And I put those two together. Um, and then... Like they was they was very understanding. I got basically I went through the enterprise program, and after I'd done that, we we each got a mentor. Um, my mentor Mark, absolute legend. I still talk to him today. He was just really supportive, and he was getting me like a lot of connections to people that had been through like getting their artwork out there into the world as well, as well as sort of telling his friends about it and some people commissioned me to do work for them and it just uh it just spiraled for like in a spiraled upwards from there uh and then he he encouraged me to apply for the young ambassadors position because it helped me get on I didn't know business before and I'd always wanted to run a business because I didn't I didn't enjoy working for other people having been exploited in the past I just didn't want to work for other people and so yeah what, what do you think the princess trust has done for you just as you know you as you as a young guy you know you've got mental health issues that you're you know that you're you're recovering from you know you're working through you're very creative but obviously princess trust has been there as a as a, a, a pivotal experience i mean what what does it actually give give to you what, you know what... if i think it validated what I wanted to do like I'd never understood how to get my work out there before I'd never been guided by someone who had been through the process of setting up a business so having a mentor to actually teach me the ways has helped me well helped me more the more than I can possibly ever put into words I think like when you say like, mentor, what I mean, what does the mentor do? You know, for anybody listening who doesn't know what a mentor is, what 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 was what is the job of a mentor to do? So, if Mark, we just sort of we'd we'd meet up at our local park, uh, like there's a cafe. Um, I knew the owner of, so we'd meet up there, and we'd sort of just go through ideas on how to take my business to the next level. 
like, he heard out a lot of my ideas and he picked out like the good parts of the ideas and was sort of like, yeah, maybe reconsider that bit, reconsider this bit. It was like a guide, essentially. Um, and in order to get a, a mentor, how old do you have to be? I think you need age nine, 18 to 32 now. I think they've extended it to 32. Oh, so I'm too old to get a mentor then. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say if there was if there was a young person who had similar kind of, you know, feelings and experiences to you, they're 18 years of age, what, what would you say to them about getting involved a in Prince's Trust, but also in managing their mental health. What 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 kind of what would you suggest? What would you advise? You have time. Like, that's what I always think. When we're younger, we always think that we're out of time. That we have to do something now. It's really not the case. Like it's very supportive. I think that's what it, it's essentially just support to pull off what you want to pull off, and maybe guidance in the right direction if you're not in the right place for it at the moment maybe now a little bird tells me that i'm sure i've heard this from a reliable source that you do a bit of stand-up comedy is that true or is that have i just no no i've i've i want to do stand-up comedy i've done a few open mic nights here and there uh mostly how was that because that sounds terrifying to me oh it is terrifying it's actually (laughs) um why do it (laughs) i don't know i quite like the idea of testing oneself to see what you're really capable of so the more you're terrified of doing hence why i was talking about going into suffering so goddamn much it's like because exploring those depths of the psyche can sort of expand expand what you know you're capable of overcoming so for when when i've done like the open mic nights they were for mental health support like those rate fundraisers um I got up just to read some of my nonsense poetry and it is nonsense, like, but it's my nonsense. So I'd get up and I'd just talk. Um, but I'd have a sort of very relaxed vibe about my mental health and things like that. Like I'm, I am terrible for telling um, suicide jokes about myself, but it's never, the, the, the topic is never suicide itself. It's like my own experience with it. I think that's the there's a fine line to toe to find there to toe there. That is the right words there. And loads of people have told me to get into stand up, like quite a few, like quite a few, a few. Um, but I think I think part of it would be I think I'm funnier when I'm anxious, like when I'm really anxious, because I'm trying to get rid of the anxiety by laughing, and I do laugh a lot. I was literally looking at my forehead the other day and I don't have anger lines. I have like laugh lines. Oh like, yeah. I, I can laugh see so much. Lines on your forehead. Because it looks I like a smile. So <laughs> yeah. It's because it's because I laugh so much or I smile so much that it's just my face is now getting turned into this laughter creature. Well, it sounds to me as if you're you're a natural comic if that's uh <laughs> that's the way you operate because i think it is it's almost like the adrenaline is pushing and everything is whirring around and suddenly this stuff comes out it's probably even unconsciously funny i mean i think when uh, when this podcast series started before even uh, mental health became a charity i think that was what Damien damien wanted was this 
you know, like a, a serious podcast that was talked about serious issues about mental health, but because it's their own mental health issues, it's like, well, of course I can, you know, we can, we, you've got to laugh sometimes, you know, some of the, the worst tragedies in life we have to laugh at, you know, I mean, even when I've lost my parents, I mean, there were really funny moments when you're sort of organizing the funeral, which sounds a bit weird, but actually, you know, these, these things do happen. And again, I think it's a bit like tears. Laughter is a great release and actually sort of helps us to sort of relax and sort of put into, into perspective some of the challenges that, that life throws at us. And I mean, I think you've been a, a fantastic example of recovery. You've come a long way in your recovery. You're an amazing, creative weirdo, and I say that with <laughs> love. Uh, you're a creative guy. And uh, I think, you know, we're, we're sort of coming towards the end now, and I'm just of uh, uh, this, this podcast, and I'm just, I just want to know what's the one thing you would tell others who are just starting to receive help? What, what would be the one thing to sort of, I suppose, inspire hope and a bit of uh, confidence in the future? Um. <laughs> I know exactly what I'd say straight away. Um, with regards to, say, suicide, take the option off the table. Don't do it. Like, you don't know what the future holds. You have no idea of the challenges that you might face in the short term. But by facing the challenges that you have in the short term, you are well equipped to handle anything life throws at you in the long term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah. said that before either. That was quite, <laughs> where the fuck did that just come from? <laughs> oh, wow. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much. Thank and, you uh, can I just say, um, really want to signpost people to the Grom Reaper, I believe it is. Yeah. So, so how I can they find out more? Uh, you can find my website, which is www.grumreaper, which is spelled G-R-U-M-R-E-A-P-U-R.com. Uh, that has the link. Basically, once you go onto the website, it will come up with a pop-up to join the club, and that takes you to the Facebook group. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I say Twitter. It's mostly just me talking nonsense on Twitter. Um, all with the same hashtag, uh, all with the same handle, sorry, of Grum Reaper, spelled G-R-U-M-R-E-A-P-U-R. So it's like soft like a kitten purring. Good luck for the future. Will you please keep in touch with us and let us know how you get on because we really want to hear about your shows and maybe, you know, when things are open, if there's a show on in the east of England, we can pop over to Norfolk and have a look. If that was yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute delight. Uh, some real deep moments there but uh that's what i like to talk about is those deep moments yeah I and, mean, uh, let us know how you get on good luck and, yet, and remember keep well keep safe and keep talking i feel like brad is one of my people or rather i'm one of brad's people oh keith what a great i'm like i'm super jealous what a great chat you guys had and what an inspiring person. Like, I related so hard to so much of that. And um, like, I could hear you guys getting quite emotional at the end what he's, when he's talking about suicide. And obviously that's something that, you know, is why I started all this with my own experiences. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to say, like when I'm doing my training and when I'm trying to talk to people about how you can help somebody during suicide, you know, it's, it's really important to 
get people to recognize that that person isn't being selfish who who wants to take their own life they're not doing anything to harm anyone else they they've come to some sort of rationale where it's the kind of thing for everyone involved often um and it's very very hard in that moment to to recognize that it's uh worth continuing and you know with, with some of the training i've done like i've done um uh, assist training which means like uh, there's actual moments when people might want to take the life intervening and you want to try and hold on to that tiny glimmer of hope about basically doubt is a powerful tool when somebody may be feeling suicidal like you want to give them a little seed of doubt or a seed of hope but I, I, I always see it as a seed of doubt that makes them kind of go actually maybe this isn't the course to do um, and he's right take it off the table Take it off the table if you can. Not always easy to I understand at that moment, but if it's taken off the table, it's just it's just um it's just totally worth it. And even for me, like, you know, he was saying about if you can handle that, you can handle anything. And it's uh I think that's I think that's really true. Um yeah, I'm I, I was really, really moved by what he was saying there. And I think, you know, and I, I think, and this is very much my perspective only, that um, the further on I am from my, you know, my last attempt to take my life, the more, the more moments where I can go like, I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have had this, this and this. And that doesn't come immediately. That didn't come immediately for me. There was, it took a long time to have a moment that made me kind of look back and be like, oh, wait, now I'm glad I didn't. But just that reminder to people that eventually there will be something that is that is worth it. A relationship, a moment, uh, an experience. Yeah, so he's great. And also, I mean, you know me, I bloody love comedy and laughing about my experiences. And um, I mean, I can't wait till things are, you know, back to the new normal when we can actually go to, you know, I really want to go to Norfolk. I want to see his work. I want to meet him as well because I want to meet him in person because... Uh, yeah, he created quite an impression on me. And I think, you know, for me as well, when he was talking about sort of taking lives and stuff, I mean, from a, from a, you know, from the, an outsider's point of view, like if you're a friend, a mate, a colleague, you know, don't be afraid to ask the question, you know, I think, cause you, you talked about assist. And I think that was one of the key things in assist is like, do ask that question. Cause people sometimes think, oh, if I ask the question, are you thinking of taking your own life that somehow it'll prompt somebody to take their own life. But of course we know, that isn't what happens. It actually mm. allows that person who's thinking that it's that thing you said, um, uh, Davey, about that 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 hope or that doubt. It means that, oh, at last I can actually say this is how I'm feeling, mm. and you know I just need to be prepared to you know listen to the response, you know, and be prepared to be wrong, to have got yeah. it completely wrong. Because actually, what stops us from asking that question is embarrassment. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's completely yeah. embarrassment and. Uh, you know, this is, you'll know from doing the mental health first aid, regardless of any conversation around uh, mental health and trying to ask somebody how they are, if it's suicide or just worried that somebody might be experiencing low mood and it might be moving on to something more severe like depression. We ask that question and we might get rejected. And we might have been completely wrong, but actually we could have been completely right. And we'll never know, but that person might go speak to their GP a week later they may speak to somebody they're closer to because actually they've never been asked that question before and now they're recognizing it. Or they'll come back to you in two months because they'll be like, 
you were the only person who allowed me to have this conversation. I didn't want it to say it then and now I'm ready. So we need to remember that when we're having these conversations about asking people how they are, asking if they're struggling with something, asking directly if somebody is feeling suicidal, we need to remember the long-term effect that question will have. We may not see that immediate result there, but we have opened something. Maybe we put that seed of doubt in or that seed of hope. It's funny how doubt can be hope at the same time, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a paradox, but it's one, it's one that works. Yeah. Well, look, I have had an absolutely lovely time today. I know it's been a, some really heavy chat in there, but I think that's really important. And I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this to kind of highlight other people and what a great, great first guest. I can't, I can't wait to meet everyone else we're going to start chatting with. Absolutely fabulous, as I said before. I mean, uh, I'm excited to be involved in this. I'm so pleased that we spoke to Brad. You know, what a great champion, ambassador for Prince's Trust, but really is an ambassador for mental health and for men talk health too, because now he's become part of our tribe. Whether you know? he likes it or not. Whether he likes it or not, <laughs> he's now part of men talk health, which is great. Well, look, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much for joining us again. Please Take time to to listen and share this with other people. We love hearing about it. So obviously you can find us on all our social media. Um, uh, so we've got Mentalk Health uh, UK on Instagram, Mentalk Health UK on Twitter. We have a Facebook group. Um, we have everyone. We have our new website. So do come and check that out. We can learn about the previous podcast, all our own podcasts, all our new podcasts. If you're interested in mental health first aid training or IX training for positive mental health and well-being in the workplace, get in touch, get in touch if you want to do any events to kind of get people talking in your community. Um, we're now doing different stuff all over the country, uh, which is really, really great. And, uh, and most importantly, don't forget to talk to each other, ask people how they are and try and have some of those conversations. And don't forget to laugh. Keith, anything you'd like to say before we go? No, you said it all, Davey. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Please do talk about mental health. Do do spread the word. Keep talking because we want to keep the nation talking about mental health, especially as we, you know, coming out of this awful sort of 18 months with COVID. Lots of people really do need some help and support around the mental health issues. So the best way to do it, and you don't need to be an expert, is just ask the question, are you okay? If somebody says, I'm fine, say, are you really? And just inquire because the worst, worst they can do is embarrassment. The best you can do is actually make somebody's day better. Exactly. We will see you. Uh, well, we will. You will hear. You will hear us next time. Yeah, we, we will see hear you. most definitely. Hear <laughs> <us>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and thank you again for joining us. And we'll be back really soon. Bye bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to follow us online. You can find us on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at Mentalk Health UK. And our website, which has information on our mental health awareness training courses, our upcoming events, and info on how to get involved with Mentalk Health, can be found at www.mentalkhealth.uk. If you have been affected by any of the conversations today, then please make sure you speak to someone. Mentalk Health isn't able to offer support directly, but we do have a list of resources on our website to help you find the most appropriate support for you. And again, that website is www.mentalkhealth.uk. If it's an emergency, then please remember you can always phone Samaritans on 116-123, or if you really need to, or if you're very worried about someone, you can call 999. 
Thanks for listening. And don't forget, most importantly, keep talking.